Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for our message this morning comes from our gospel lesson from Luke, which was read for you just a few weeks ago. The title of my message is Money Talks. What would you do for a dollar? Would you pinch your neighbor? Would you shout out a vulgarity? Would you run around the sanctuary three times while screaming? I'm guessing not many of you. How about ten dollars? A hundred dollars? Thousand dollars? Million dollars? I'm making you think now, aren't I? It's incredible the power and influence that money has, isn't it? I mean, look at it. It's just a piece of paper. And yet money can make us do some incredibly irrational things. The phrase often used is, money talks. In other words, you want to sway opinion, you want to convince someone to join your cause, you want to play politician, well, money talks. Whether we like it or not, whether we admit it or not, money has a huge hold over our lives. Money often feels like this cruel master, and we are his bondservants. My goal today is that you'd be able to throw off the shackles. My goal is that after hearing my message this morning, you would be more fully shaped and formed by the truth of Jesus rather than by the lies of money. So what is the problem with money anyway? Let's start there. The problem isn't money itself. Wealth, poverty, these are not indicators of your spirituality. Whether you're financially rich or financially poor doesn't mean that you're spiritually rich or poor. You see, the problem isn't with your pocketbook, it's with your heart. As Paul writes to Timothy, the love of money is the root of all evil. Both rich people and poor people can steal, can covet, and can make money into an idol. This is the problem. We love money. Or more pointedly, we love it more than God. As Martin Luther has taught us, an idol is anything that you fear, love, or trust in more than God. But why? I mean, why make an idol? It just seems like silliness, right? The kind of silliness that we see in the battle that Elijah had with the prophets of Baal. On the one hand, we see this epic showdown to settle once and for all who the true God is. On the other hand, this so-called epic battle is pretty comical. The false prophets are screaming, they're cutting themselves, they're running around frantically doing anything and everything they can to make their God, Baal, show up. Of course, Elijah recognizes this absurdity and he starts to poke fun at them. Maybe your God is busy. Maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's taking a bathroom break. When you read this Old Testament account, don't you just find yourself shaking your head wondering, why do people worship false gods? Why do they make idols? Perhaps the golden calf of Exodus can shine some light on this question. 
In this story, we have Moses up on Mount Sinai receiving the Ten Commandments, and ironically, at the same time, back at camp, they're breaking numero uno. You shall have no other gods. Now, of course, it's already foolish enough to disobey God's number one commandment, but the real silliness is in the idol itself. The people, mind you, they believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These are God's chosen people, the ones delivered from slavery in Egypt, the ones who were delivered with these incredible, miraculous signs, including God dividing the entire sea in two. You would expect these people to be the most faithful to God, but instead they grow impatient and demand an idol. So Aaron takes all their gold jewelry, he melts it down, and he fashions this golden calf out of it. Silliness. I mean, who builds their own god? How is a lump of metal or a block of wood that you carved in some image going to help you? It's madness, right? So let me get this straight. What you and I are saying is that it would be completely ridiculous to worship and bow down to an inanimate object. That it would be preposterous and absurd to base our life decisions off of some physical material that's been shaped, molded, or carved to have facial features. How about a, a coin or a piece of paper that's been printed or minted? Oopie. Guess we're a little silly, too. The phrase that we all say is, money talks. But we all know that it can't really speak. Idols may have mouths, but they can't talk. Listen to the words of Psalm 115. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak. Eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Noses, but do not smell. They have hands, but do not feel. Feet, but do not walk. And they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. Scripture text is pretty concerning. Listen again, especially to verse 8. Those who make them become like them so do those who trust in them. you suppose that this is what happened to the rich man in the story of the rich man and Lazarus? Did he become like his own money, like his riches? Did he become like the idol that he was fearing, loving, and trusting in? I mean, think about it. The rich man has eyes, but does he truly see Lazarus? Can he see this poor man suffering right in front of him, just outside of his own lavish home? The rich man has hands, but can he use them to serve? Now granted, Jesus' story is short with very few details, but it's pretty clear that the rich man makes no effort to help poor Lazarus. The story says that Lazarus desired to eat the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. It doesn't say that he actually received any. And then it goes on to say that the dogs came and licked Lazarus' sores. The tense of the Greek verb here suggests that the dogs made it their habit to come and lick his sores. 
the rich man didn't even have the decency to stop these dogs from coming over and over again to harass this poor, weak man. The rich man has a mouth, but does he speak any words of compassion? I mean, he can't even speak a humble, kind word after his own death. He cries out to Abraham to send Lazarus to relieve his anguish, the same way that you would order around a servant or a slave. And here's the real kicker, the one that should give us all cause for concern. He has ears, but he can't hear. This rich man is clearly a Jew, for he refers to Abraham as his father. And yet the idol of money and pleasure has consumed him to the point of making him deaf to the law and the prophets. He could not hear the gospel. He could not hear the good news of salvation. His ears had been stopped and his heart had been hardened. The saying goes, you are what you eat. Yes, it's also true that you are what you worship. Worshiping an idol made of wood, metal, or stone results in a hard heart. You are what you worship. And make no mistake about it, you will worship someone or something. We shake our heads at the biblical characters who crafted their own idols and worshiped their false gods. We scoff at those that we witness today trusting in magic crystals and reading their horoscopes. And we're scandalized by people who seek to save the world through politics, TikTok videos, or sharing their preferred pronouns. But we shouldn't be surprised. Because ultimately what we are witnessing is expected human behavior. They're seeking someone or something to trust, fear, and love. We were made to worship. We are creatures made to be in a relationship with our Creator. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, He has put eternity into man's heart. You and I will worship. It's inevitable. It's just a matter of what. And money is vying for that top spot. We know that money can't talk, but it does have a voice. The devil, the world, and our sinful nature give money its fiery, tempting tongue. The world says money is the most important thing. You've got to get a good job so that you can have a lot of money. You can't have children yet. You don't have enough money. And you definitely can't have more than two. That's all right if you take a little off the top, if you cut a few corners, if you bend the rules. Sometimes that's what it takes to make money and be successful. The devil says that money will make you powerful and in control. Did God really say that he would answer your prayers? Did God really say that he would give you your daily bread, that he would clothe you and feed you? You need to take care of you. You need to be financially secure. You better make plans and take matters into your own hands. Your sinful flesh says that money will make you happy. If I can just pay off that last loan, then things would be all right. If the gas prices would drop, then I could make it. 
If I had enough money for a new house, a new car, a nice vacation, a new wardrobe, then I would be happy. If I could just get that winning lottery ticket, then life would be so much easier and everything would be smooth sailing from here on out. Money talks, but money lies. <coughs> Listen to the truth of Jesus instead. Do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus' story here about the rich man and Lazarus has two major applications for us. First is warning. Don't be like the rich man. Don't be consumed with luxury and lavish living. For this sort of life is empty. It is a life that will harden your heart and it will lead you away from God. Second, Jesus says to you through this story, you're not the rich man. You are Lazarus. The name Lazarus means one who is helped by God. The Lazarus of this, of this story is poor, weak, unable to help himself. He doesn't even have the strength to ward off the dogs. It is a dog-eat-dog -dog world out there. And people often use their money for power and greed. And you, dear Christian, often find yourself being abused, oppressed, and mistreated. But take heart. You are Lazarus. You are one who is helped by God. You are Lazarus, the one who trusted in the God. The one who heard the law and the prophets. The one who heard the word of God and believed. The one who was raised to new life and brought into God's heavenly paradise. It seems simple, right? Trust Jesus and you'll be good. But the devil won't stop. The money won't stop talking. You'll hit hard times. You'll feel trapped. You'll be scared. And then money will come along and start whispering in your ear, I can help. Trust me. And in that moment, you'll have to answer, how much is your faith worth? A dollar? Ten dollars? A hundred dollars? A thousand dollars? A million dollars? Or is Jesus so valuable that you can't put a price tag on him. That's how Jesus feels about you. He gave up everything for you, including his very own life. He suffered and died on the cross to save you from your sin, from death, and from the devil. Jesus paid, Jesus paid the redemption price, not with gold or silver, but with his own holy, precious blood. As Jesus says in a very short parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, 
went and sold all that he had and bought it. You are that pearl. And don't let the world, the devil, or your sinful flesh tell you any different. That is God's truth. You know, it's funny, throughout the ages, money and power have been used to try and suppress the truth, to try and suppress the word of God, but they'll never succeed. Just look at how we track history, B.C. and A.D., before Christ and Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. Now, granted, secular forces have changed to B.C.E. and C.E., before the Common Era and the Common Era, but regardless of the terminology change, we still track all of history around what? The life of Jesus. Look at the war on Christmas. Pressure has mounted to say happy holidays instead. Yet most people still want that Christmas vacation, and they still want to celebrate around what? The appointed time of Jesus' birth. And look at the crucifixion itself. The religious leaders wanted to snuff out Jesus' voice. He needed to be silenced. But the message of the cross still speaks loud and clear to us today. God died for you. God loves you. God forgives you. God gave everything for you. In the same way, the powers that be have sought to drive God out of education, out of our families, and even out of the currency that we use. It's ironic, isn't it? A simple piece of paper. It can cause so much pain, so much sorrow. Inheritance fights, jealousy, discontentment, debauchery, divorce, and other broken relationships. And yet, when I pull it out and I look at it, I can hear exactly what God wants me to hear. In God we trust. I guess money does talk. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard and protect your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.